I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the only podcast dedicated to plant based cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder, and you better check yourself, Loretta, before you wreck yourself. It's my husband and producer of the podcast, David Rosetti. How you doing, Roro? Roro is doing good, good. Oh, good, good. How are you, you? <laughs> You're welcome. I know I don't have one. You've got the cool, but cool row row. I'm great. Everyone um, calls like when David directs shows, especially like if you do youth shows, like yes. high school shows, yes. they, they call him row row. Mr. Row row. Mr. Row row. If you're nasty. Uh, well, or, or not. <laughs> or not. Or not. <laughs> Oh, well, we have a book we have been waiting so patiently to share with you. So patiently, as have you been Been, waiting. Yes, been waiting, waiting to hear about this book. Mm -hmm. It is the Herbivorous Butcher Cookbook, 75 plus recipes for plant-based meats and all the dishes you can make with them. Now, this book, of course, is an extension of their butcher shop, the Herbivorous Butcher, opened by siblings Aubrey and Kale. Walsh, in 2016, the Hoobervers Butcher gained a cult following in Minneapolis and beyond when it opened. That's right. I mean, when they launched in 2016, they were... It was... It was banana. Everybody was talking about it. They were not... It was was not just like the talk of the town. Like, they were the talk of the globe. The world was a booze over them. I think it was because they used the word butcher like her Bifford's oh yeah butcher. and i believe it like... it's the first vegan butcher shop in the world but i know i don't want to say there's controversy in that i think there's someone else who also claims it somewhere but i to me the herbivorous butcher will forever and always be the very first vegan butcher shop the og the og um and we even filmed an episode of the vegan roadie there That's season right. two episode seven you can go check it out and our cameraman drew uh, you know, Drew Williams, he did everything for season one, season two, not just cameraman. He directed, edited all these things, all these wonderful things, but not vegan. He still to this day yeah. loses Talks his mind mm-hmm. over. He'll be like, oh, my God, that cheese we had at the Rivers Butcher. And, and so um, that was one of the coolest things about that show was when I was traveling with Drew, since he wasn't vegan, he would try these things and he would just sort of lose, lose his, his mind. mind right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we would be amiss in this moment, not to mention their outstanding media manager yes. um, and queen of all there, just a, a woman of all trades and one of our favorite, absolute favorite people on the planet, Laura Van Zant. We love you. Yes. We love you. Yes, 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 yes. We have to shout out our uh, love to Laura. We love you so much. She has literally uh, brought jerky across state lines for us. Yes. She's <laughs> quite because actually, inter- internationally internationally she i think took, she, yeah, she yeah, brought yeah. them to uh ireland when by, we went. by yeah. request yes by request because i think that might be your favorite I herbivorous favorite. butcher item i mean i jerky there's a minimum amount of stuff that like you can get as opposed to like being in the shop i actually haven't gone to the shop yet which i, I oh wanna... my gosh yes, i know i know you've been to it so many times that i've been <laughs> to it zero um so uh it really is just jerky when i david can get it. we have got to get you to the herbivorous you would lose your mind know, though no, you got to take your wallet baby because you're gonna spend I know, some money but, but you need to take your wallet and a cooler and we'll and a cooler, pack a cooler right, for right. you but um but the HB does sell their products yes. in uh, regional Whole Food locations, and they ship uh, you know a wide range of products over all the fifty states um, and Puerto Rico. Their fans have been ardently asking for their recipes, and here they are for the first time in this book. Yes, can you believe it? It's oh. finally here. Yes, and we love we love ourselves some pepperoni in this house, mm-hmm. David's. Uh, one of the I think it was your last thing before you finally were like, sure. okay, I'm vegan. Like, yeah. you had trouble giving up pepperoni. That was tough. Because you like pepperoni pizza. That's that's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we made the pepperoni in this book and it's it's it was perfect. It was easy. It was perfect. It was uh was sort great. of like perfectly spiced. You get that zesty pepperoni and mm-hmm. the texture was great. Texture Everything was about great. it was so good. I made a few other things from this book and, and we chat all about them in the interview, of course, among all of the other recipes that we chat about. Yeah, so in this book, there are 75 innovative recipes for plant-based meats and standout vegan dishes. Uh, these are butcher shop classics, such as like a pork Classics. Chops, classics. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, pork chops, ground beef, um, chicken cutlets uh, that taste uh, and chew as good as the real thing. 
perfect for vegans as well as anyone who wants to eat uh, less meat. That's right. And you can use the base recipes in this book or star store-bought substitutes. So they give you that option as well, because we know everyone and they know everyone. Either maybe you don't want to, you don't have time to make the meat base or you don't live near the HB. That's what we call it, loving and affectionately, HB. the HB. Uh, but so they're very, uh, you know, open and, and versatile and giving you the the different variations you can use store-bought products as well great. to prepare super tasty hearty dishes that are yep totally vegan cherry glazed rip cherry glazed rib rack oh, i wanted to say, say baby back ribs fast. and then i, I saw rib rack and i was like cherry glazed rib rack nashville hot popcorn chicken Ooh. kale's very fine lasagna blt couscous crust quiche and more with a chapter on bases, butters, and sauces that will elevate your vegan dishes, plus beautiful photography and entertaining stories. There are great stories in this book. Uh, Kale adorable. And, uh, yeah, Kale and Aubrey, uh, both born in Guam and then came to Minneapolis. So they've got lots of stories in there uh, from their youth with their family and what inspired these recipes and then growing up in the Twin Cities and, and all that stuff. So some really great stories in and here. His name is Kale. Kale. So, I mean, that really was written in the stars. Legits. Legits, it's Kale. Um, well, this book, I'm telling you, it's a glimpse of the future, and the future tastes delicious. Here they are to talk about their Rivers Butcher Cookbook, 75 plus recipes for plant-based meats and all the dishes you can make with them. It's the butcher knife-wielding brother and sister duo, Aubrey and Kale Walsh. <laughs> They make meat-free meats and cheese-free cheeses. It's the original, the OG vegan butchers from around the block, Minnesota way. Please welcome to the podcast the superhero brother and sister duo, Kale and Aubrey Walsh. Thank you both for being here today. Hi, great to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited to talk to you both, and we're going to dive right into your icebreaker question. So what is an old person, an elderly person trait you have taken on already in your younger years. Well, Kale is an old person now. <laughs> it's true. I am becoming the old Japanese man that I've aspired to be. Um, let's see. I think it's your walks. It's your talking walks. No, no, no. I'd say <laughs> uh, maybe icing my back while I watch Prices Right in the morning. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I was searching for right there. That's perfect. That was, that's some Nana stuff right there. Mm -hmm. um, so good. For me, I think, I mean, so many. Wow. Where do I start? Um, <laughs> I feel the same. So that's why it's a good question, right? Um, I think I, I basically exclusively listen to only instrumental music now. <laughs> like, nope. Nope, sorry, 80s, sorry, 90s, sorry, today. Is there is there like a type of instrumental music that you listen to the most that you're geared towards? Yeah, mostly jazz these days. All right, okay. Yeah. I got played, I got happy jazz, I got background jazz, I got moody jazz, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm on Do you it. have do you have cooking jazz? You must have a playlist oh, for cooking jazz, jazz then. Of course you do. <laughs> I love it. Mine, mine, are, mine are basic things. Like basically I want to go to bed early and then I want to get up. I woke up a couple weeks ago at like four 30 oh. and I was like, I guess I'll just like get up. And I was like, what's happening right now? Like I got out of bed and I was like, wait a minute, what this can't be really happening. Where I was okay <laughs> with getting out of bed. It was, and I, I mean, I don't think I went, to, I wasn't in bed at like seven o'clock the night before anything, probably like nine or 10. I thought 4.30 was aggressive. I was like, please don't let this be a regular thing. The next morning it was like 5 a.m. And now it's gotten, it's back oh. to like normal, but I was very nervous. <laughs> and also loud things. Uh, we went to a concert a while ago and my husband and I were both like, this is really loud, right? And I was like, no, it's happening. It's happening. You're like stuffing napkins in your ear right right there was a concert where it was loud we were like let's just go out until the other act comes on maybe it won't be as loud and i was like that really just happened just now that's great but hey you know what wear it with a badge of honor right we're still here we get to talk about it just you exactly. know all the great you know things what we like now so yeah that's exactly right. that's exactly right well we're here to talk about the book the herbivorous butcher cookbook of course Ooh. 75 plus recipes for plant-based meats and all the dishes you can make with them but before we dive into the book uh, i would like to talk to you both about sort of where cooking was before herbivorous butcher sort of um 
then how veganism became part of that. Were, were you cooking before there was a herbivorous butcher? Was cooking part of your childhood? And then when did veganism uh, kind of creep into that as well? Yeah, so for me, so we're 13 years apart. Which I read in the book and yeah. my mind was blown. I've seen you both in person. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> um, so uh, for me, it started with veganism when I was 14. So um I didn't know what to eat. My mom didn't know what to cook. I basically ate pasta with red sauce, um, Boca burgers. There was a mm-hmm. vegan Boca burger back then, um, tofu, tempeh, and that was it. And so it was like, for me, cooking was uh, out of necessity because I wanted I wanted to eat more things. And so um, I got this cookbook at this... Um, uh, crazy bookstore and it was called vegan vittles and it was like my entrance into vegan meat because they had a basic seitan recipe it was just mm-hmm. like like mock duck you know um and I just kind of started there and made more and more things and as Kale grew up like when he was young he wouldn't try anything I make he's like right. yeah, well, I'm good it's cool um <laughs> so then yeah and he comes around. Yeah. And for me, I, uh, before I went vegan, I, I always liked tinkering with stuff, uh, like different recipes. Uh, I, my mom just sent me a recipe that I called cabin chicken. Uh, okay. It was like a, didn't look horrible. It was like a, kind of like a herbal brown sugar glaze on like a. Why is it called cabin chicken? Is it made in a cabin? I don't know. We didn't have a cabin. All right. We've never been to a cabin. I think it's maybe it looked like a cabin, you know. It's probably Uh, like saucy or something. Like thinking you would eat it with, you know, the the three bears. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, But I, you know, in that process, I I learned, you know, that small changes in the recipe can make a a big difference in the end result. And after I went vegan, I immediately applied that to, to making the, the vegan meats. Uh, but it was just a lot more fun because instead of like, oh, I put some thyme in a soup and that was sure. a more herbal. It was like, oh, well, I steamed this before I baked it and I got a completely different result. So, uh, yeah, everything kind of came together in vegan meat and I never looked back. Yeah. yeah. I definitely don't think either of us thought we would be cooking for a living. Right. Like I worked in music and although I cooked when I was younger, I like, like who eats in their twenties? Yeah. I didn't eat in my twenties. <laughs> so I thought I was going to work in music, but like I went on this, this date with this guy once and he said, so do you cook at all? I was like, Absolutely not. I definitely don't even have any food in my refrigerator right now. And my husband will attest to, the fact that I didn't, but he said, that's really funny because you're going to cook for a living and you're going to make a living off of it in the future. And I was like, no, not going to happen. Where is this your husband? Was this a date with you? He was, I went on a date with him. Like the night before I went on a date with my husband for the first time. I was kind of dating back then, you know? Yeah. Hey, you know, come on. So was he a, was he a psychic or what did he, how did this? No, I don't know. just like a kind of a strange, strange thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because you were like, well, can you see if we're going out on another date then? Like what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that. You didn't see that. <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, well, I I guess I, I'm, <laughs> are you eating vegetables these days, Aubrey? You talk about not eating vegetables in the book. Um, I So I didn't eat any vegetables as a kid. Yeah. And honestly, I think I, the first time I had a green bean, I was 26, like maybe asparagus, 28, broccoli, easily 30. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my dad, like, hated them. And no one ever, I just wanted to be like my dad when I was little. And so sure. just never ate any vegetables. But I'm still alive. My bones are strong. <laughs> So there you go. There you go. And you talk about your dad, Kale, you were eating, you had like a, a history of eating ribs with your dad. So tell us a little bit about that and how do you navigate it out of that then once you went vegan? 
Absolutely. Uh, well, my dad and I used to travel around the country uh, on road trips, uh, looking for the best uh, ribs was one thing, but also burgers, really just about anything. We were looking sure. for the best food in any city we went to. And uh, ribs, not vegetables, not vegetables. Certainly not. Uh, <laughs> ribs was a very uh, popular thing because like a nice kind of easy day trip uh, down to St. Louis or Kansas City gets you to the best rib restaurants in the country. Uh, so I really love ribs. That was like the strangely the like one of the only meats that I enjoyed. Uh, so I, you know, after I went vegan, it was important that I, I could make this favorite food of mine uh, in a convincing enough way to, you know, still have it be enjoyed by my dad and I. So, yeah. Can you tell, can you tell Dustin the um, smoking house food story real quick? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. In the process of, of making the, uh, the rib, which is the first vegan meat I ever made. I, I tried everything. I tried liquid smoke and nothing was quite, you know, giving me the flavor that I, I was looking for in the ribs that I would have in St. Louis. Uh, so the, uh, the chef at the restaurant I was a server at suggested that I try smoking them. And, you know, my, my dad's apartment was, was small. Uh, the, uh, like the, the hood was, was just like behind you, like underneath the microwave. Uh-huh. Uh, and it wasn't ready for the, for the yeah. wildfire. It was. <laughs> so I, I lit up the chips and I put it under the foil. I was like, oh, it'll probably stay under the foil. It'll be cool. Uh, but no, the hood barely got any of it and smoked the whole house. Uh, all my dad's clothes upstairs. Like all my all clothes, of his suits. Our dog. The dog. <laughs> everything was just, it smelled. I don't know. He, he doesn't live there anymore, but the walls probably still yeah. smell vaguely of hickory smoke. Sure. And everybody was like, have you been at a campfire recently yeah. you're like, Why? what what's the smell what i don't understand yeah. oh my gosh i mean we've all had our mishaps in some <laughs> form or another like that i suppose well herbivorous butcher started sharing these meat-free meats at farmers markets and sort of fooling unsuspecting carnivores which i love the unapolog- unapologetic nature of this in the book it's like we got them and they were like well what kind of meat is this and you were able to talk to them about it but how did you go then from farmer's market into the sort of, I mean, you guys are a phenomenon. Like the Herbivorous Butcher just took over and like everyone talks about it, you know, and everyone gets excited when they get to Minneapolis to go there. So how did it go from farmer's market to where you are now? It was kind of a crazy, I mean, even for us, we're like, what? Um, so it was our, it was July. It was our second month at the farmer's market and I was out of town for my birthday. So Kale was at the farmer's market by himself and he called me and said, was like, Hey, this guy came to our farmer's market booth and he works at an assisted living facility. And he wants, he taught, he wants to like serve our stuff at his assisted living facility. Um, and the owner of all the facilities wants to meet you. And talk to you about putting it in all of their facilities. And I'm, I'm like talking to him. I'm like, well, this sounds like a kind of a, you know, not, it's not going to happen. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get excited. And I said, well, I'm not going to be there, but like, go ahead. Because you talked to them first, right? I or did, you right? called them. Yeah. I was like, I, go ahead and call them. Yeah. And I, I went there to meet with them. It was, it was just crazy that they were serious. Like it was like a yeah. real thing. I met the CEO of this massive company. And the, the head chef of this facility, and he was like, uh, you know, like what what's the what's the dream? Like, you know, can you guys make enough to supply all the facilities? And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the answer would be no to that. But thank you for asking. Yeah, we, we rented by the hour. We can't do that. So right. But then we kind of said, uh, "You build us our shop and a kitchen big enough, we'll supply." Ah. So um, he wanted us to do a proof of concept to make sure that it was good enough. Um, So a bunch of our customers who started with us like only a month before, but just, you know, loved what we were doing. Yeah. They recommended doing a Kickstarter. So that's what we did. 
So we did a Kickstarter. We raised almost $62,000. And um, for him, that was enough because it was, you know, from all over the world. And uh, Jimmy Fallon made fun of us on his show. And like, all you know, it was like all these That only helped, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was like... It was like Black Friday the next day at the farmer's market. We're like, what? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah. So he made up the difference, which was a huge difference for building wow. a whole kitchen. But yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. You know, the way the universe aligns things. Speaking of the universe aligning things, you have provided uh, some meat-free meats and cheese-free cheeses for celebrities, such as Sir Paul McCartney. And you go into it a little bit in the book. Do you want to tell us a little bit of that story, maybe? That was <laughs> so crazy. It was that first year that we were open was like the most surreal time of my life because like we, we did Diners, Dragons, and Dives. Mm-hmm the first six months and then one day I was just driving and I, I get a call from a number I didn't know uh, there's this British lady and she was like uh, uh, yes uh, is this Kale? And I was like yeah and I, I thought like I really didn't pay some debt or something <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, the British are coming um, she, was, she didn't say anything about who she was uh, she just said uh, well, yes, we'll, uh, we'll expect you uh, backstage uh, tonight at six. And uh, if you could bring a meat tray, cheese tray. Um, I was like, uh, no, what? This is, I, don't think, I don't think we'll be bringing anything anywhere. And she was like, well, uh, well, Sir Paul uh, said he was very excited to try your, your stuff. Gosh. Almost crashed the car. Yeah. Uh, and I... <laughs> I had to pull over. I was like, uh, Sir Paul McCartney? Would that be the one? Is it another Sir Paul? Is it like a, but that was it. And uh, we like spent the whole day like making this massive meat and cheese plate that I don't know. I don't know what we expected. Yeah. But we, we brought it there and uh, Paul was like, he was like delayed, like, so he, he couldn't like spend a lot of time saying hi to us backstage, but we had a lot of time to wait. Yeah. So much time. And uh, the green room had a bunch of free booze. So we just put him back. Yeah. We were really nervous. We were I get so it. Nervous. I get it. And by the time he got to, he got to us, uh, things were a little hazy. Sure. But, sure. But he was so nice uh, when we got to meet him and, Good. Like, uh, uh, you, you know, you guys, everyone talks about you in, in England. Uh, we got to get you out there. And I was like, where's the real Paul? You know, right. <laughs> I mean, was that just mind blowing to you? I haven't watched it. It's- I was going to say, I was going to say, come on now to, to be talking to him, but then have him say everybody talks about you like that's crazy feeling it has to be really wow that's so cool well i ask every uh author when i have them on and aubrey you already said vegan vittles so that was i would ask every author what your first vegan cookbook was essentially Mm -hmm. like the one that you sort of had a a moment with right sounds like vegan vittles for you and i think kale you mentioned vegan vittles in the book as well was that also your first or was it something else I think that was my that was my first physical book, and then because I gave mine to him. Yep, and I, <laughs> and I I used a lot of well done, sis. <laughs> a lot of blog websites, like yep. I remember uh, getting a lot of inspiration from uh, Vegan Dad. I okay, I haven't heard. heard of that one. Is it still around? Still doing its Vegan uh, Dad thing? So. I don't know, but I I had a I was clearing out some stuff in my office, and I found this folder of like all these like recipes that I printed out mm-hmm. that I used as bases for, yep. for different products. And it was very nostalgic. There was a lot of vegan dad recipes, uh, like green something. I don't know, but yeah, vegan fiddles was, was very inspiring because it, like it, it gave like a, like a framework for all these like different kinds of, of meats mm-hmm. that I, I didn't know you could make vegan. You know, I, what it, if it didn't exist on the market, you know, why should I be able to make it at home? Which is yeah. what what my first thought was. But 
Well, it's like back then looking at the recipe and you're like, okay, it, yep, that's going to, it's not going to come out like that. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No kidding. There's a, have you guys heard of the farm vegetarian cookbook? Mm-hmm. I think it's a long, when, do you recall when vegan vittles came out? Oh God. I mean, it's it like a seventies to... situation. Yes. Yep. Same with the farm vegetarian cookbook. And people have said that was their first one. So it's amazing when you look at these and you see people been doing this forever, like, yeah. and, 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 and doing it in its simplest form. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to see those. I, I looked up vegan vittles. There were a few that popped up. So I got to go back and then maybe see if I can find which one you guys are talking about. But, um, cause I want to get it just to look at it. I'm so fascinated yeah. by it just to see. Um, well, let's get into the book. Chapter one is meat made without meat. You really give over the goods in this chapter, uh, giving us some secrets that we're so grateful to get us fans of the reverse butcher. And I've made the chicken cutlets from here and loved them. Um, they're just so versatile. I went ahead and I used them in uh, Nana's brown paper bag fried chicken, crispy, perfectly seasoned. Also the base to make an awesome chicken sandwich. So you can't go wrong. But then I also had leftover. I used them for grilled chicken breasts to put on Caesar salads. I used them for a chicken noodle soup that I made. So, so many great things. But the cool part among many is that there was the, um, the chicken broth powder, right? I'm obsessed with this powder. I now make it and keep it in my pantry. I sprinkle it on tofu when I air fry it. Cause you know, you don't always have time to make yourself the chicken cutlets, but I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to make this tofu. I'll sprinkle this on there. We love it so much in this house. Um, so I, I thank you for that pantry staple right there, but for both of you deciding what to choose for this chapter had to sort of been, it had to be really hard after creating all these recipes for so many years. Um, what is a recipe from each of you that you sort of knew from the jump had to be in this chapter? Uh, for, for me, I, I would say I was really excited about the rib because it, it was my first. Um, and I think it's just a fantastic base to build off of, you know, it's, it's just a, you know, like a canvas you can make, anything from the smoky house rib that I used to make uh, to the Korean rib, which is the most popular in our shop. Yeah. Yeah. To stuff that I haven't even thought of yet, but I, <laughs> I wanted to create for people uh, that that same sense that I had when I started making vegan meat, uh, specifically with the rib that you can do anything with this. You know, there's, there's no uh, limit to like how much your creativity will benefit the, the final product. Uh, so I was very excited to share the rib with people. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was the sham recipe. Yeah. 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 I thought it might be. Um, grew up eating spam. Loved it. I thought we would, we'd like my family would eat it on Friday nights. We'd watch TGIF. So family matters, full house, a little bit of spam and rice with ketchup. Yep. It was a dream. So just like being able to put that in there and then knowing that people on Guam and like other little Aubrey's out there mm-hmm. can eat vegan spam. Yeah. And I love the name of it. Sham too. It's I, I never had, I was going to say sham as a kid. I never had spam as a kid, but I'm so curious about it and I'm going to make the sham recipe to see. Um, Cause For I've sure. just been curious about it all this time. Speaking of TGIF family matters. Wow. Do you recall there was a younger child that disappeared in the middle of that. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was someone's, someone's kid, like an aunt or something. And she was their, their daughter. She was like the younger sister and the actual daughter. But I guess she only did when they started introducing Urkel. Yeah. They took her off the show. I just listened to a podcast on this the other day. I was like, hold on. Sitcoms are crazy like that. Bananas. (laughs) a little TGI Friday there. Well, there's so many great things in this. We have the ribs, the sham, the butcher burger, porterhouse steak, ground beef, pork chops, Milano salami, uh, the chamorro chorizo, deli bologna. Bologna, that word's always hard to read because that's definitely not how it's spelled. Uh, The brat, uh, (laughs) really struggling here. (laughs) <laughs> go ahead say it for us please foie gras there we go <laughs> my god 
goodness, fish sticks. And uh, another one I'm excited to make is the pepperoni as well. So I can't wait to get into that one. Mm. Uh, chapter two is main meals featuring that Nana's brown paper uh, bag fried chicken I mentioned. I think next on my to-do list is the cherry glazed rib rack. Speaking of those ribs and the versatility, what is a recipe you would tell someone who just bought this book to make for their friends for dinner from the main meals chapter? Oh, man. Well, I kind of feel like Kale's very fine lasagna. Is that in the chapter? Yeah. It uh, is. Yeah. I feel like that is a absolute crowd pleaser. Just once you like put a pan of it down on a table with a group, there's nothing left. It's- I actually think as you say that, you just said crowd pleaser. Isn't there a chapter called crowd pleasers? And that might actually be where that lasagna went. <laughs> Yeah. For a crowd, we got the lasagna in there. <laughs> so you knew where you wanted that to be, really. Yeah. You where you wanted that to be. What is a chapter? You know? What is a chapter, really? Just places that were told by publishers to put things in a bit, book, ultimately. <laughs> um, I'd say for me, I, I don't know. If, if not the, if the lasagna is in another chapter, <laughs> if, uh, I think the, the cherry glazed... Uh, uh, ribs is a, is a fantastic. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. There's so, there's so many good things. There's another. Uh, uh, there's lots of ribs in here. You've got the lunch plate plate kulau. No, that's pork. Pronounce it for me. Kalua. Uh, Kalua. Yeah, straight up Kalua. Yeah. Guys, I did not eat my Wheaties apparently, <laughs> or I'm having another old trait pop in, and I am in denial about needing reading glasses. Is what's happening. Five spice rib tips. Sizzling Malibu chicken. Oh yeah, that's good. Easy cheesy supreme pizza bowls. I mean, this recipe, this chapter is packed full of main meals that people can make on weeknights and uh, enjoy for dinner with friends or family. And chapter three takes us to sides. I love a good side chapter. Um, it's a list, you know, that vegans have used for years to live off of essentially at Thanksgiving. And I made the cheesy garlicky truffle smashed potatoes in here. Yeah. They're very addictive, delicious. Yeah. What's another star in this chapter, both for you, for the sides chapter? Um, I personally love the garlic fried rice. For me, that's like a staple that I, I make it twice a week. I always hope to have leftovers. And it's just like you can eat it with anything. Yeah. And you can eat it cold if you're just, it's late. You just need a bite of something. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's very good. And what I love about fried rice too is sometimes when you, if you have some like leftover rice sitting around and just some like vegetables or whatever that you just need, you can just make up a fried rice right away. It's delicious. Yeah. What's a side for you, Kale? I, I mean, I just like I used to do with the meats. I, you know, I use the garlic fried rice as a base for a lot of what I eat now. Out of you know, when I'm just done with work. But I found this great uh, vegan fish sauce at the Asian market. Hmm. It it's like a it's like a it's like Bigfoot. It it appears so rarely, uh, and I always buy them out. This is true. I, I put some of that in with the rice and now it's like the, like the best Thai fried rice you ever had. So I don't know. If not that, the cheesy potatoes. I mean, it's, yeah. It's yeah. Fun. I mean, you can't go wrong with a potato. Yeah. yeah. So good. Well, chapter four is soups and I've been dying to make the Chinese ramen with sweet and sour fried oh. tofu. It Sounds is so, so good. Uh, and, and what are a couple soups in this chapter you find yourself making when it's soup season? Like, is there something from this chapter you still make? Yeah. Um, so for me, um, it's the, uh, the Minnesota wild rice soup. I, at home, my husband and I call it chud. I don't know why, but, um, that sounds very appealing. Yeah. I mean, there was a horror <laughs> movie called chud in the eighties and it's, I think that's why, but, um, the chud season in our house goes October through mid November. It's very specific. Um, so we, Wait, so Chud means soup. No, it just, Chud was a horror movie and it was like, Oh, okay. This like, um, liquid that traveled around this small town or something. It's sounding actually very familiar to me and I'm looking it up because I am a horror movie fan. And as you said that now, I was like, I think I know exactly. I want to see the cover of it to see if I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like a, 
creepy liquidy yeah. guy coming out of a yep a manhole, right? Yep, exactly. Yes, I'm familiar. So, anyways, soup. <laughs> Shed season. Um, I just I just made the devil's doll for myself uh, a few days ago, actually. Um, I didn't do the fancy uh, uh, Dungar smoking method at the end because I was lazy, but <laughs> it would have made it much better. But the uh, the mini tomka, uh, the that weird oh, hybrid so tomka, is is really nice. It's just a uh, I I've been lazy at home, so I've been doing the easier stuff. Um, hey, yeah, that rest got a little bit more going on than I. That I have kind of energy for most. Yeah, listen, when you work in food, cooking for yourself becomes like the big task. I used to do private clients and I had to stop because I found myself not taking care of myself in the food yeah. world at all. I was just like, what can I put in the microwave essentially or pick up at a store? Which, you know, isn't always bad. That's fine. But it's like when you're always doing that. Can you explain to the rest of the world what a Juicy Lucy is? I know what a Juicy Lucy is, but everyone else might not know. And then you turned it into a chili. So tell us about the Juicy Lucy chili. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's the object of much controversy here in Minneapolis yeah. uh, <laughs> as to where it was born. Uh, but wherever you find it, it's always uh, molten hot cheese that's like injected between two beef patties mm-hmm. and kind of molded so it cooks and the, the cheese just gets so hot. And then you, you take a bite and you just burn everything that it touches. Yeah, you know? yeah. um, and, you know, I, I was thinking about doing a Juicy Lucy, like the actual sandwich for the cookbook, but I don't want to subject anyone to that pain. So yeah. I, It's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Right? It is. I mean, so truly, that, it's, it's your McDonald's so, coffee. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you can just get the same experience with the Juicy Lucy chili, you know, mm-hmm. without suffering. Yes. Uh, you can put buns if you want, and it's close. But the Juicy Lucy chili, uh, we made it at our last uh, veg fest here in Minneapolis, uh, in St. Paul. But it's uh, it's really nice because I find with chilies, I'm always, I'm always like missing a little something. You know, people always put cheese or sour cream on top. And I thought, what if you just mix it in? What happens? Yeah. And it, uh, <laughs> it turned out really nice. And I added some weird stuff like uh, ketchup and like mustard in there to kind of get the whole juicy Lucy flavor. And I don't know when I made it, I didn't expect at first to put it in the cookbook. I was like, this is, this is a little weird, but it oh, actually oh, turned out really nice. So I, uh, that's a, that's a keeper. Yeah. The first yeah. time I had it, I was like, okay, I'm just going to like take my bowl and then I'll put a tiny, I'll like take a spoon with a little bit of ketchup and mustard. But then it was so good. It just like adds to it. And I just, I put it all over the place after that. Well, and you're right though about mixing it in. It all gets mixed in anyways. So like, come on, you know, Uh, chapter five is titled for the crowd. And we've got items in here like, oh, I don't know. Kale's very fine lasagna (laughs) and the pinky up smash potato hot dish. Getting in that Minnesota again, ritzy chicken casserole. And I actually got, I got a fondue set for Christmas um, and I I had had the page like marked on here to go to the fondue. And I, I specifically was like, well, my, which honestly fondue these days, like that feels like a very seventies vibe to me. I'm here for it. But now after COVID and everything, I'm like, who's going to share fondue with me? Is anyone going to share fondue? And then I was like, well, it's just me and my husband. So I guess it doesn't matter, but I got this fondue dish is my point. And I was so excited to make this. I had all the ingredients on hand, like, already so it's called fondue you want fondue you want to dip um so everybody just easy and accessible in the book that's a great one to look at what are a couple items that you like we've mentioned the lasagna we've mentioned the fondue a couple more items that are just crowd pleasers in this book that you put them down and people go bananas yeah the hobbits of the shire shepherd's pie Oh, it's so good. Oh. There's some um, some dark beer in that recipe, and it just, like, it deglazes the pan so nicely and just, it it really just makes the, makes the sauce pop, and it's so incredible. I love it. And every time, like, we've had a lot of customers come in and say, you know, I made this Hobbits of the Shire thing for my family because we were watching Lord of the Rings, and it was 
that's exactly why I made it the first time I ever made it. Cause we were yeah. doing that. We're just plowing through all of them one day and it's really, you were good. inspired. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what else is in the crowd pleaser because now, now the lines have been blurred for me. We got the mighty chicken enchilada casserole. BLT couscous crust quiche, yeah. banana pecan French toast bake. Oh, yeah, Aubrey did most of these in this chapter. I cook uh, for a lot of people all the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and they're very happy. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the ritzy chicken is a it's a piece of modern art in a in a casserole yes. dish. It's yes. a <laughs> the ultimate chef's kiss, ritzy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's, it's beautiful. It's yes. Beautiful. It's, well, uh, we. We give the words hot dish in here. Do you want to talk a little bit about what a hot dish is for everyone listening if they're not from Minnesota uh, way? Yeah, hot dishes are, for the most part, kind of awful. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a church basement food. And yeah. I feel like I probably have never had a proper one um, because I don't think I have. We moved to the United States when I was when I was 13. Uh, I don't think I really had one in the first year. And then I went vegan. So it was kind of all over after that. But um, the first time I made one, I just like took a recipe online, Minnesota hot dish recipe, you know, subbed in Morningstar crumbles. And right. But it just tastes like hamburger helper. <laughs> and then the you bake it off, though. That's what you do. Right. Is it like a casserole, essentially? Yeah. It's it's a casserole that has tater tots on top. There we go. Okay. Yeah. But the right. problem is, like, you can't really, unless you deep fry your tater tots at home, they're not going to taste crispy and delicious if they're just baked. Yeah. Yeah. Hence yeah. the on potatoes on top. So much better. Pinky up. Hence the pinky up as well. I mean, come on. Well, chapter six is snacks. And I love me snacks. And this chapter has... What I want with snacks with smoky Reuben croquettes, Nashville hot popcorn chicken, mm. Minnesota style cheesy artichoke dip, Minnesota style. What's what makes this artichoke dip Minnesota style? Mayonnaise. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just mayonnaise. There we go. I mean, I feel like I did that. I'm from Michigan, and I feel like I even did. Uh, I remember making some artichoke dip back in the day with mayonnaise too. So us yeah. vegans, we got that mayonnaise. We can do it too. Exactly. Come on. Well, what favorite snacks then? Besides me, I know I'm your favorite snack. But what's a favorite <laughs> uh, snack for both of you from this chapter? I am going with actually Kale's tofu appetizer recipe. It looks so good in this book. It is. So you, might, cool. you want to tell them what it's based I on? I can't believe you would take that from me. What? <laughs> <laughs> we introduced you to the rest. It's also my favorite. It's uh, <laughs> I think it's the perfect food, uh, the tofu appetizer, because mm -hmm. we we've been enjoying it at our favorite restaurant in the whole world, which just happens to be in our uh, our own town. It's called Lucky Dragon, and I, I I I don't have words to describe quite how they do it. It's just oh God, look at it. And it's so beautiful. Okay. If you're watching, if you're not watching the podcast, you want to go watch it now. If you're just listening, because I'm holding up the photo and it is gorgeous. Yes. And it's a, uh, I don't know. I, I made it to be paired with the birthday oils that are in the book. Um, and once I, once I cracked the code on how Luann uh, at Lucky Dragon does it, I, I felt like I, you know, had done something that I shouldn't have done. Like I, like I saw past the veil for a second and like now I was going to be struck blind. Um, and so, so Kale, like, so we love Lucky Dragon so much and um, that Kale got the owner's face tattooed on his back. Oh my goodness. She doesn't know this. She's like in her seventies. She's a real sweet lady. And um, I was just sorry. I was looking down because I wanted to show. Everyone. Yes, let's see. Oh, let me you put. You see her? Yeah, let me put you guys up as the main screen so we can get a good old look from that. Oh gosh, I can't do it. Never mind. We can see it. Though. Yeah, yeah. Right there is good. Right there. Stay right there. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's amazing. So, dragons never say die. That is that is some <laughs> some 
loyal dedication there. I oh, love yeah. it. We're gonna tell her someday. Someday. Not soon. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say tell her soon. Tell her soon. <laughs> <laughs> well that uh that's uh what a treat to include that in your book then too. That's um <laughs> I know that moment when you sort of crack the code on something and you're like oh, should I know this? But then it's also what a great tribute to pay. What an honor to pay there. So that, yeah. that's that's very lovely. Yeah. Chapter seven is the sandwiches, the mighty sandwich with offerings like the Philly Eggs Benedict, the Philly Eggs Benedict Burrito, and the very best mozzarella stick sandwich. Please tell us about the very best mozzarella stick sandwich. Oh my God. It's so good. I mean, I, I can't believe I never like thought about this a long time ago, but because for so long we couldn't eat mozzarella sticks until we start, you know, we started making them at our fried chicken place. Right. But it's just, you know, it's two pieces of bread and you put a ton of mozzarella cheese in the middle and you mm -hmm. kind of like squish it down a little bit on the sides and then you batter and fry the entire thing. Yeah. And then yep. you just eat the whole thing. Big mozzarella patty essentially. Oh. It's just like the, the, the tastiest thing in the world. And I felt so naughty eating it because I didn't want to, I like, so Kale and I, when we were writing the cookbook, he lived in, we lived in a fourplex and he lived upstairs. So I would always make something. And then it was during the pandemic and I would bring it up and set it on his right in front of his door so they could grab Aww, it. Nobody and, was cooking for me. Yeah. <laughs> I lived in the wrong spot. Go ahead. But we didn't, I didn't want to like, share that one and i think right. in the corner of it and i yeah. felt, felt bad but you know what oh that's funny so good. and uh for me it's it's definitely the philly i love the philly so much we uh we just did a video of the philly not that long ago and it was oh it's beautiful it's just the more cheese you put on there the better yeah and you can just make a revolting mass of caramelized onions and, oh, and meat and oh god it's just so juicy and drippy the way yeah. exactly the way it should be yeah what cheese in the book do you use is it there i know there's a cheese sauce in the back do you use that on the philly yep yeah okay. yeah delicious there's um so i used to did you guys have bennigan's in minneapolis did you ever have those there? we had one we never okay. had I waited tables there long ago in my early twenties and um, in Michigan. And there was a burger called the wheelhouse burger. And it was literally a burger with marinara sauce, but then mozzarella, a wheel of mozzarella, like, uh, so not mozzarella sticks, but like a wheel shaped, like a burger of deep fried mozzarella. That burger was my, Oh, just ever. And when I saw this sandwich, I was like, Oh, mozzarella on any sandwich. Just like that. It's just mm -hmm. like out of this world. So good. Oh, and so dangerous, but I love it. <laughs> well, chapter eight takes us to bases, butters, sauces, and dressings. And these are actually sort of my favorite chapters in books because I feel it really gives home cooks a foundation to sort of build uh, some cooking confidence as they move along. They they get to create pantry items and they can use them for the recipes in the book, but then they also find ways to use them at home. A perfect example is that chicken broth powder that i've told you already you know i use regularly i love it um and there's great stuff in here like beef broth concentrate cheese sauce base uh kale's pizza dough vegan buttermilk better butter sambal mayo creamy ranch warm bacon dressing brunchy brunch hollandaise sauce butcher strength worcestershire and kale's birthday oil llc honey tell the listeners about this birthday oil kale oh, oh good get into it it was designed uh, for the tofu appetizer. Uh, I made it one year for Abby's birthday because I, I didn't have any money to actually buy something. But instead, I, I, I made this this wonderful uh, savory chili oil that has evolved through the years. Um, but it's because a lot of the chili oils on the market are, are either like just spicy or maybe like really salty. And you have to like go to the back section of the Asian grocery store to get the really good ones. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make something that was just a savory bomb that uh, wasn't just a chili oil. It was also it's like a condiment, you know, and all those things combined in the birthday oils. And it's, oh, it's dangerous to have around because it you put it on anything. 
It really goes good on anything. anything. I just had hot pot the other night, and I mixed some in with uh, some sesame paste uh-huh. and uh, a little sweet soy sauce, and it's just the, the best hot pot dipping sauce. I cool. believe it. It's real good. But with the tofu appetizer, it becomes this unstoppable force of savory flavor. I tell you, I haven't made it yet because I know I'm going to love it. And I'm just going to want to make it all the time. And it's just going to be another reason for me to be like, well, we'll just put some oil on this. We'll put some of that oil on this. You know, it's like, I, I'm not oil free. I enjoy the use of oil, but I also try not to overdo it. Right. Especially as we're talking about getting older. But, um, you know, it's, it's just, I just know it's going to, I'm going to make it. Don't get me wrong. It'll happen. But like, I gotta be, I, I gotta be ready for it and, and pace myself after I do. Uh, okay. Aubrey, is there a staple for you in this chapter that you keep on hand regularly? Yeah, that beef broth concentrate. Yeah. It's so good. We So it's it's actually what we originally used um, to boil our steaks in. Okay. And we would, when we worked at the um, community kitchen, we just like didn't really eat that much. And we always were tired and because we were working constantly but we had like a small bowl of this broth. We would call it, um, we call it life juice, life broth, life broth. And it just like, it just brought you back to life. So yeah. I always keep it on hand. Yeah. It's also a hangover cure. Hangover cure. Uh, it's gotten me out of a lot of sticky mornings. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. Sure. It's amazing. We had in culinary school, we would have, uh, their, was baking day and or baking week and we would you know we we're baking all the time trying all these baked goods and there was a chef there who always made his famous miso soup during that week because like we all just kind of felt gross after eating all the, the first couple of days you're like yay and then you're kind of like i don't want to do this anymore and they would make the soup and you'd have this like nourishing broth with these delicious vegetables and seaweed in it you were like oh my gosh i feel alive again this is great so yeah. i get it broth has the magic in it well this is the part where we talk about it's your book brag essentially so by that i mean i want you to brag but if you're not comfortable bragging think of it as this tell me something you're most proud of when it comes to this book oh man um i guess for me i'm i'm i am most proud of the fact that it has a lot of family recipes in it and stuff that i grew up eating with my grandma and you know Grandma's, I don't know, my, our, our Nana didn't write any recipes down. Mm-hmm. So it was just remembering what they tasted like and, and the, everything about it, the emotion of eating it. And I just feel like I was able to capture Nana's recipes. And um, I think she would be really proud if she was still here. And um, yeah, just, just making, making her proud makes me proud. Yeah, I love that. That's very special. Uh, I'd say I'm I'm most proud of, uh, like I touched on earlier, on helping to cultivate uh, that that cooking moment for people where they they realize that you know it's it's not just a recipe that you follow. It's you know all the other creativity you put into it. You know, it's putting your own family traditions and splicing them. You know, with these bases that we've we've made. And, you know, helping to create like new food memories for, for people. And that's very exciting to me is, you know, because we can just eat all the time and, you know, not think much of it. But like a like a home cooked meal that someone really put a lot of time into that, you know, through the years you, you make again and again and pass on to the next generation. That's that's really that's that's really something to me. So to be able to have the opportunity to do that was, was very exciting. I love that. Those are great book brags. And that is the herbivorous butcher cookbook, 75 plus recipes for plant-based meats and all the dishes you can make with them. Now, are you ready for your rapid fire baker's dozen round of questions? Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. And you'll, you can answer, you'll, you both should answer each of them. So we'll go through them and you can, you can answer, you can both answer them. So number one, barbecue sauce or hot sauce. Hot sauce. Barbecue. Aha. Uh, number two, fave, you got you got my ask you to pick a favorite child here, but favorite cheese-free cheese at their Bivers Butcher. Provolone. Uh, evening in Marrakesh. It's a... <laughs> 
Say again. Uh, it's an evening in Marrakesh, you know, like you find at the grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> nice evening in Marrakesh. It's a special cheese that doesn't exist uh, in the real world, but it's a it's a smoked habanero and orange peel uh, in a Havarti base. It's that sounds amazing. Beautiful. That so, sounds very good. Uh, number three is what's a favorite special that you've had on the menu at the HB? Oh boy, that's hard. Um, so the Mongolian beef. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So good. Um, we did this Mapo tofu once and I still think about sometimes. You got to bring them both back then. Uh, number four, how do you feel about clowns? <laughs> love them. Love them. I was a clown like four times as a child. No clowns. Yeah. Clowns <laughs> are these are. I, I was really hoping for opposite answers on this specific <laughs> question, so I, I, I appreciate that very much. I tortured him with them because I yep. love them. <laughs> so he's traumatized, and you're like, they're great, best thing ever. You pull out a red nose right now and pop it on. Uh, I got a weird one. If you had to swap your legs with the legs of an animal, what animal would you pick? Kangaroo, obviously. Mm, very good. Mm, turtle. <laughs> I love this. Uh, what's the weirdest thing in your fridge right now? Um, preserved lemons. Oh, yeah. Right. I got this. Uh, I got this weird uh, Chinese ham. I found at the grocery store in the frozen section. And okay. It's beautiful, but it's weird. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite season? Summer. Autumn. On the count of three, each just say one word. One, two, no. three. Microwaves. Great. <laughs> just wanted to see what would happen. Your brother and sister <laughs> sitting next to each other. All right. Jeez. What did you say? Jeez. <laughs> What's a must-have tool for each of you in the kitchen? Oh God, there's so many of them. Um, uh, my my baby whisk. I have this eatsy weensy whisk. Yes. Yes. I brought it to Care Eleven. We were on the news this morning. I love it so much. It's the best thing ever. Just like just a little. Just you can whisk in a ramekin if you want to. It's so good. So good. Um, I got I got my old faithful rubber spatula. Yep. Also a very good one. Both good choices. Uh, favorite spice to cook with? Oh, boy. Um, gosh. I think turmeric is like, that's considered a spice, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I feel like it, um, it turns things into a flavor that you don't, it just like mixes differently with different things. It's really good. Okay. Uh, for me right now, uh, Sichuan peppercorn. Big mm, that's spicier, right? That's a, that's the numbing. That's the numbing. That's the numbing. Yes. You're crazy. Yes, I need to get some. I'm. I'm. Isn't it funny? We say that's the numbing one. I'm like, yes, I need to get some. I need to. Get <laughs> uh, what's um one must in your morning routines? Treadmill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, treadmill. Same. All right. Favorite <laughs> pasta shape? Bucatini. Mm. Oh, so messy, but it's just the best. And it's just a little doubles as a straw if you want it to. It's great. This is a sauce vessel, basically. Mm -hmm. Oh, angel hair. I love that one too. I want to have angel hair tonight, actually. Uh, shout out. This is your last one. Very well done, by the way. Shout out to a current favorite local vegan business. Oh, I'm going to shout out to Francis. It's our new um, vegan burger joint. And oh, love it. And um, they were a food truck, and now they're a restaurant of brick and mortar, and it's so fun and exciting. That's great. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for, uh, well, I'm a THC baby, but I'm excited to try the new stuff they're cooking up at this, uh, this THC kitchen in South Minneapolis. I'm so curious to see. Oh. I don't know. I get I get real high real fast. <laughs> uh, 
but I'll, I'm willing to try. It's a very lightweight situation for me, I have to say as well. In my early 20s, I don't know how I did some of the things that I did. But now if it's, it's one bite, I'm like, I need to know what's in it, how much, and I need an hour to see exactly what happens. We can't get too crazy here. <laughs> not trying to peel myself up off the floor. Is the THC place open yet? It's not open yet or it is? No, not quite. No. Okay. Have you seen, yeah. is it all vegan or is it not all vegan? Some all vegan. vegan all vegan. Have you seen the menu yeah. yet? Have they posted that? No, it's actually, okay. but it's um, being opened by the owner of Root to Rise, which okay. um, they did farmers markets and stuff. And then the owner of the former restaurant, Fig and Pharaoh, okay. that it closed during the pandemic. But yeah, so they're teaming up to do this. It's called June. I think it's called Juniper. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was your um your rapid fire. Very well. Very well done. Uh, and of course, just thank you both for being here. And everyone, you can follow the adventures of a herbivorous butcher. And tell me if I get any of these wrong. But here, uh, you can follow them at the her- the herbivorous bee on Instagram. But also be sure to follow all their their vegan fried chicken joint as well. Irby Butcher Fried Chicken at Irby Butcher SFC. Irby Butchers yeah. FC. There we go. So at Irby Butchers FC. And also their nonprofit farm sanctuary, Herbivorous Acres at Herbivorous Acres. And before I let you both go, just give our listeners a quick summary of each of those. Irby Butchers Fried Chicken and Herbivorous Acres. Yeah, so um, Irby Butcher's fried chicken was something that uh, it's we it's vegan KFC. You know, it's buckets of fried chicken. Um, there's biscuits and mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and it's just like a it's kind of a dream and sandwiches, just like incredible fried chicken sandwiches. Vegans, it's all the stuff you never thought you would have. Basically, Aubrey and Kale are making sure you have it. So there's no excuse. I mean, it's like our childhood thing. Like I missed him being born because I wanted to go to KFC. So my aunt took me. So. And now look what that did for you. That's great. I know. Now we're trying to recreate that for other people. Uh, exactly. Missed births of siblings. Missed births of siblings. Uh, Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And our River Sacres is our uh, nonprofit farm sanctuary in Scandia, Minnesota. Uh, we just had our first uh, public event, yes, uh, right. and it was it was fantastic. We had a great turnout, um, and yeah, we're hoping to have a lot more of those soon. Uh, maybe some events. We always do some fun fundraisers and stuff for them. So yeah, there should be some some fun stuff on the calendar for this year. And uh, how many animals do we you have on the sanctuary at this time? Okay, there's if you include. All of the farm cats, mm-hmm. I think that there is nine, 19. Wow. 19. But there's cats, you know, they, they, new ones pop up and we don't know where they come from. So, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, hey, and then more come after that and just, you know, yeah. it just kind of keeps on rolling. Well, that's great. And uh, you had a fun announcement this morning on TV. So uh, I believe you've taken over ownership of Jay Selby. So please tell us more for the listeners that are not in St. Paul, Minnesota area. Let them know what Jay Selby's is and why they should visit when they're in the Twin Cities. Uh, Jay Selby's has been a local institution uh, in vegan dining for, well, since we were open. Since we opened our shop in 2016, awesome. uh, they opened just a few months after us. And, you know, since then, uh, uh, Matt, uh, the, the previous owner, just he, he built something pretty beautiful. You know, he, he got a, a bunch of really good people together to make food that everyone loves. Uh, it's just a, it's a nice, you know, easy to approach venue for if you're new to vegan food or if you've been vegan for a while, you, there's something for everyone. And uh, we're adding a little bit. Touches here and there, not really changing anything because people love it as it is, but just summing out some of our stuff for, you know, some, some stuff that they've, they've had or things that uh, the chef asked me for help with. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the line. I'm, I'm yeah. in the trenches cooking, cooking on the weekends. Uh, wow, we're starting to run soon. So it's, uh, we're having a lot of fun over there right now. Yeah. Um, 
right before we took over, they hired a, um, an incredible pastry chef, Chef Brian, and he is making some just out of this world stuff. He made a vegan hala yesterday and nice. he's just, I'm so excited for made, everything. He made the savory cinnamon roll last week that wow. just blew my mind. It was like, instead of like cinnamon, it was sausage and caramelized onions in this yes. roll. I didn't know you could make that. It's ridiculous. Oh, right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, awesome. There you have everybody. Jay Selby's congratulations on that. Everybody needs to visit and get some goods there. Some get their eat on. And we've told everyone where on social media they can find everything, but where can they find the both of you on social media? Um, I'm a sister butcher. Yeah. And I'm at brother underscore butcher. I there think you go. Sister underscore butcher too. Yeah. If you found him, you can find me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I know everyone listening here, you're going to want to get your hands on some goods from the Herbivorous Butcher. And you can go to the herbivorousbutcher.com and order all of the things from the butcher shop. And of course, get yourself a copy of the Herbivorous Butcher Cookbook everywhere books are sold right now. Aubrey and Kelly, I have to tell you both from the bottom of my heart, you have both always been so kind, generous and supportive to me and all that I've done. So I, as I have you both here, I want to thank you both for that. And it means a lot to me uh, to have you both here today and get to chat with you. And I just really appreciate it. And congratulations on the continued success. It's just so cool to watch everything you're doing expand. You're getting more vegan food out there all the time. And I know you're changing the world and changing people's minds and I just appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So much fun. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Keep On Cooking. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review if you like the podcast. It helps a lot. Yeah. And get more information on the podcast, Dustin's Cookbooks, the Vegan Roadie series, and sign up for our newsletter at veganroadie.com. And of course, follow us at The Vegan Roadie on all social media platforms. Now get in the kitchen and keep on cooking. And hey, remember, it's nice to be nice. This has been a Muzzy Cat production. <laughs>